Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about not getting lost in the minutia. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. This week has been exceptionally messy for my husband and I because we are in the middle of our renovations again. Getting our bathroom completely renovated right now. We actually do not have a shower. But it's good because they got rid of the previous uh, huge bathtub we had that was, you know, three and a half feet tall at least, if not more, and uh, had a window and shelves and uh, a shelf on it. And I was really glad that we got rid of it because I found out that there was actually some rot under there. So really grateful for our contractors who took care of that for us. Now, this week's tour portion is Ki Tetzay, which means when you go forth. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 10 to chapter 25, verse 19. The half Torah portion is Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 10. And the Brit Hadashah is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So today I want to talk to you about getting lost in the minutia. And the specific example I'm giving is, is something to do with kind of the Messianic community, but really it correlates with anyone in who is a believer that first comes to being a believer, kind of like going back in correlation with when I think I had my husband on here on the podcast and we were talking about not being a Torah terrorist, where when you first become a believer and especially become a Messianic believer, you get very caught up in things that are not necessarily a salvation issue. And because you get caught up in it, you only see things in black and white and you stop seeing people as people. And you start having expectations of them or uh, how they should live and things can get messy really quickly. And we had something come up this past week where someone had a, you know, very, it was not said in in anger or spite or anything, but was, you know, had a conversation with my husband about how um, they did not feel that we should do the Ma Tovu every week in our congregation. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Ma Tovu, it is uh, part of the liturgy that we do every single week in our congregation. Um, It's we always joke about it, but my husband's probably his favorite part of the entire service uh, because he will talk about it uh, for the entire service if you let him. And it's not a bad thing, but it's such an interesting and important story. And you can read this story thousands of times and always get something uh, different every time you read it. Or, you know, the, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit will highlight something from the story that's new to you. And it's a story of the king of uh, the Moabites, Balak, and he wanted Balaam to curse the Israelites. 
And Balaam, like all humans, is a very complicated character. And you could see right off the bat that he clearly has some flaws, but he does uh, listen to Adonai when Adonai speaks to him because Adonai told him not to go and talk with, uh, to go to um, the king of the Mo- uh, the Moabites and curse Israel because that's what the king wanted him to do. And that he had more messengers come offering him more money and, and he still said, no, let me see what you know Adonai says. And Adonai says, you know what, just go ahead and go with him. He goes with him, which upsets Adonai, I guess. And then there's the whole story of the donkey donkey. I don't want to give the whole story, but the point is this. The person that, that spoke to my husband felt that we should not do the Matovu because in doing so, we are glorifying Balaam. And Balaam was a considered a sorcerer and um, dealt in divination. And even later on, he actually caused the Israelites to stumble with the Moabites uh, through sexual immorality, I believe. Once again, I am not a scholar. I try to retain as much knowledge as I possibly can before I lose it again. If it's not done in song, it will not stay in my brain for whatever reason. But... When I heard this was requested, my initial thought was, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this is the air coat with no filter. And initially, my husband and I were actually both kind of upset about it. It's like, you know, what is this person thinking? Like, are you serious? Um, but, you know, the more and more my husband thought about it and he was doing research on it, he's like, you know what? I'm actually really grateful that this person brought this to my attention because it's helped me to do way more research than I ever have done in this particular area of the Bible. And the reality is what I said to him is this. I said, look, if you took everyone out of the Bible that has a flaw and is a sinner and is doing something that is displeasing to the Lord, we'd be left with Yeshua, period. Because he's the only one who is pure and is a spotless lamb before the Most High God. He's the only one who was without sin. And when you talk about a situation or the Matovu where he actually is blessing Israel, and it's something that we say that's what the Matovu is. um, Hear Israel, the Lord our God. um, I'm getting it confused with the Shema. But. It's a really pretty song, which of course I can sing to you, um, but to me that's being caught in the minutia because it's one, it's not a salvation issue. And two, this person I feel has not necessarily been a messianic believer. They might've been a believer from the church, which, you know, I have been for a good portion of my life. Uh, I grew up in the church, but I still have not been a messianic believer as long as I was in the church. And so I think a lot of times we get so caught up in what we think we know um, that one, we don't have love in what we're saying. And two, we really don't have the knowledge to back it up because if you don't have the context of what the word is saying, 
you're going to misunderstand it. And even if you have the context, sometimes we misunderstand what it is that God is trying to say to us. And I think it's so important for us to remember that we all are flawed and without, you know, and the only one without sin is Yeshua. That doesn't excuse our behavior, but it also doesn't mean just because you talk about people from the Bible that are not, that, that aren't Yeshua does not mean that you're glorifying them. In fact, what you're doing is you're saying, look, these were human beings just like us. These were flawed human beings just like us. And yet God still chose to use him. So why in the world can't he use you? But if you get so caught up in these small things, you miss the big picture. I'm going to read you Numbers uh, chapter 24, portions of it, um, which is a part of the story of Balaam. When Balaam realized that it was pleasing in the eyes of Adonai to bless Israel, he did not resort to sorceries as at other times, but turned his face toward the wilderness. So right there, he's telling you right there, like he, he's done sorcery before. He lifted up his eyes. Balaam saw Israel dwelling by tribes. The Ruach Elohim came over him and he uttered his oracle and said, so the Ruach Elohim, the, the spirit of God fell upon Balaam. Moment of silence for you just to let that sink in. The spirit of God fell upon him. After he decided not to use sorcery. And he said, this is the oracle of Balaam, son of Beor and the oracle of a strong man whose eyes has been opened. The oracle of one hearing God's speech, one seeing Shaddai's vision, one fallen down yet with open eyes. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, and your dwellings, O Israel. Like valleys, they are spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by Adonai, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from his buckets, his seed by abundant water. His king will be greater than Agag. His kingdom will be exalted. God is bringing him out of Egypt. He is like the strong horns of a wild ox. He devours nations hostile to him. He will crush their bones. His arrows will pierce them. He crouches like a lion or a lioness who will rouse him. He who blesses you will be blessed. He who curses you will be cursed. So obviously you could see why the king of the Moabites was upset that he did that. You know, Balak became furious with Balaam. And... He spoke again and he says, Now behold, I'm going back to my people. Come, let me counsel you what these people will do to your people in the latter days. Then he uttered his oracle, the oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the strong man uh, whose eye is open, the oracle of one hearing God's speech, one experiencing Elion's knowledge, one seeing Shaddai's vision, one fallen down yet with open eyes. I see him, yet not at this moment. I behold him, yet not in this location. For a star will come from Jacob. A scepter will arise from Israel. 
he will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of all the sons of Seth. Edom will be conquered, his enemies will conquer Seir, but Israel will triumph. One from Jacob will rule and destroy the city's survivors. And talking to my husband, I think we both agree that this is probably one of the very first, if not the first, prophecies about Yeshua. And this is the danger of taking portions of the Bible out of context and also misunderstanding that if Adonai did not want it in the Bible, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Now, yes, I know you can uh, argue with me about the, you know, uh, the meeting in Nicaea and uh, what the Catholic Church chose to do with, you know, some books are in there, some books are not in there. And the reality is this, this is Adonai's word. And if you go back to the Hebrew and you go back to the meanings of all these different words, there's so many deep meanings in there. But you're missing the force for the trees a lot of the time because I think we are so hungry and so desperate to be relevant sometimes that we can misinterpret a situation, not necessarily even just the Bible, but in life as well. Um, you know, we get caught up in the minutia of, of our daily lives. We get caught in the, up in the minutia of dealing with other human beings where there could be a situation where maybe you have been hurt in the past by someone and you think that you've forgiven them, that you've moved on, that, um, you know, it's something that you have maybe forgiven the situ person for or, or the situation for, and then something else pops up. Um, someone else pops up. And for whatever reason, they might have very similar personality traits as the person who hurt you. And instead of recognizing that you're projecting your past hurts and issues on that person, you automatically assume that because they have similar personality traits as maybe the person who hurt you, that they're the, they're the same, that they're going to, to hurt you or someone that you care about the same way. And instead of actually getting to know the person, you observe them and you watch them and you take into account the minutia of maybe things that they have done wrong. If that makes sense. Um, minutia literally means precise details, small or trifling matters. So how often have you like met somebody and you just decided off the bat for whatever reason, you just don't necessarily like them. They just rub you the wrong way. Maybe it's just their personality. And instead of choosing to get to know them or even maybe just try to hear like maybe their life story. So maybe you can have a better understanding of, of what it is that's triggering that you automatically assume that you don't like this person. And then they, you know, of course they mess up because they're human at some point and their, their mess ups are, are minutia. I'm not saying, you know, somebody could do a huge, you know, do something absolutely horrific, you know, committing adultery, killing someone, I don't know. And instead of that being the case, maybe they, 
took control of a situation that you felt somebody else should have been in control in. Maybe they were disrespectful to somebody you thought that they should be respectful to. Uh, maybe they were short with somebody that they should have been kinder to. And because of that, you made the decision because of these small details, because of the minutia, that you didn't want to have a relationship with them. And not only that, they're not even welcome and you're not even willing to even consider forgiving. There's no forgiveness. And I know you're probably thinking, Erica, you're going all over the place, but I'm really not. There's a connection there. There's a connection when it comes to the minutia of the word where we get so caught up in the tiny, the small, the little details. And we get so focused on that, that for some reason we make that more important than the gospel. We make that more important than what Yeshua did on that cross for us. And the same is true in relationships with people. We cannot focus on the little details of how people mess up because we're all going to mess up. That's the reality of it. You got to get that, you know, plank out of your own eye before you even look at the speck in your brother's eye. And we need to turn our focus back on the word and on what Yeshua says. And if we think we have an understanding of what the word is saying, then I encourage you, whatever it is that you think you know, dive deeper. And don't just do it on your own. Maybe like-minded believers. But I will say right now, if you're looking for answers on YouTube, you're not necessarily going to find that there. Or if they say something that sounds good but doesn't necessarily line up with the word of God, then you shouldn't be listening to that person. If that person tells you that you should literally stop talking and get rid of portions of the Bible... That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I would go so far as to saying it's the same as our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are, you know, Christians, uh, quote unquote, from many different denominations who um, decide that they don't like a portion of the Bible. Therefore, it's no longer valid. You're doing the same thing. We need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to understanding the word, understanding the gospel as we know it, understanding Yeshua and who he was by going back to the beginning of the word and understanding who he was, who he is, and how he's coming back. And until we have at least a basic grasp of that, we need to not focus on the minutia. And yes, that is my own personal opinion, but you're going to be lost and you're not only going to lead yourself astray, but other people. We need to learn to ask Yeshua to help us to see those around us the way that he does. Because I've said this before, I am absolutely a pessimist at heart. I'd like to think that I hopefully I've grown and become a realist at least. Um, my husband always thinks the best of everybody. And I'm so thankful for him that he does that because we balance each other out so well. But there are times where 
we actually agree um, where we think that maybe somebody has been slighted and that somebody has been dealt kind of the wrong hand, um, dealt the wrong cards, and that maybe someone else's perception of them isn't necessarily correct. And maybe it's because they haven't bothered to actually get to know them on a personal level. Or maybe it's because they rub them the wrong way. Or maybe it was some small detail that was a red flag for them. And because of that, they did not bother to have a further or deeper understanding of why there was a red flag for that person. Why there was something, some small little detail about this person that they didn't like. And instead of trying to figure out what it was and understanding that maybe it was your own hurts and hangups that were causing it, you were focusing on just the fact that there was a red flag. Now, I've said this many times before, you know, people ask me, like, if I have a hobby, and my hobby is observing people. I thoroughly enjoy, for whatever reason, I like to read people. I like to be able to read people's body language and their facial expressions and um, what they've said without saying it or their tone. All of these things I like to watch um, because it helps me understand that person better and understand the human condition on a, on a deeper level, I believe. Because you can say with your body language, you know, I hate this. And then with your mouth, say, this is a fantastic idea. We need to remember that there are some things that are not necessarily salvation issue that might be um, deal breakers for you. Like, you know, for me, um, the conversation about, um, being pro-life is, can sometimes be a deal breaker for me. It doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to you. If you believe that, um, women should have the option of, of child, uh, of killing their unborn child, I'm happy to have a conversation with you about it. I don't know that you're necessarily ever be in my, my inner circle. Um, I'm, I might be an acquaintance with you. I may be friends with you, but for me, that's something that where it's like, okay, I'm not necessarily going to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets or um, have such a deep personal relationship with you where I feel comfortable telling you things that I don't necessarily tell other people. Um, simply because we have different morals and different standards. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to align yourself um, with like-minded believers, because that's exactly what we should be doing. But it doesn't mean that we also ostracize everyone who's not like that. Or maybe, you know, great example, uh, flat earthers. Um, I would love to have a conversation with somebody who's a flat earther to understand their perspective. I'm not going to simply shut them down or laugh at them. I want to actually have a conversation with them. And I think that that's part of the problem is that we're so busy seeing all of the negative things about people and maybe things that you don't like in the Bible that we're forgetting that we're all made in the image of God. doesn't matter how crazy we all look. We're all made in the image of God. And we need to choose as believers to let the Ruach HaKodesh guide us and lead us and teach us and show us how to love each other as ourselves. How to love ourselves and then how to love our neighbors, which includes everyone else who isn't us. And that sometimes that means overlooking the minutia, the small details.
Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to end with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Shalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen. I pray that you all have a fantastic week and that you'll tune in again next week. But more than that, I just really, I really want to encourage each and every one that is listening to focus on Adonai, focus on Yeshua. Let the Ruach HaKodesh lead you. And don't be swayed by the opinions of the world and maybe even the opinions of your friends and your family. Keep, If we keep our eyes on Him and our focus on Him, we are so much better off than if we're trying to figure this out on our own and treat people the way that maybe we want to treat them versus the way that Adonai does. Shavuot Tov! Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number 3 at ProtonMail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one-minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says, leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.